sacred time with God. And my prayer is that uh, what God has placed in my heart will reach your heart and your life will begin to change because the scripture is what changes us. Amen? So we make our confession. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ears to hear as the learned. The Lord God has given open my ears and eyes. Amen. Please be seated. Um, I was asking the Lord what I should talk about. And the word came to me, crossroads. Crossroads. And then he says, yeah, God, crossroads. What's that about? What am I supposed to say about crossroads? But I knew that was what God had given me, and I needed to deal with that. Amen? I heard a story, uh, I think I read the story from Kenneth Higgins, about a young man who had gotten saved in one of his meetings. And was very excited about God. He influenced his family, his wife, his children. They were all in church, in this one church. And God was just pouring his blessings upon them. He had a better job. He was doing so well. His family was doing so well. They were part of the church. They were loved. He was doing so well. And then all of a sudden, he had an offer for a job in another town. This was years way back then. And uh, he was excited because the money they were giving him was maybe a few thousand, I don't know, more than what he was making in that church. I, I mean, in the town where he was and in the church, you know, where he was living his life before God. And then, in, I think in those days, Kenneth Higgins was probably young. He called Kenneth and said, I found a job. He was so excited. I found a job. God's blessed me with a new job. Gives me a lot of money. More money than I'm making here. Maybe, in those days, maybe just maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars. But to him, that was big. He was going to move his family and go to this place where he will make money. And Kenneth Sagan, you know, got excited with him and said, now, have you been around to see if there is a, a church where you can put your family? He said, there's no church like that there. There's no church like that there. And he said, uh, so you're going to move your family to a place God's been blessing you just for a few thousand dollars, you're going to move your family to a place where you know, without a doubt, you cannot get what you're getting spiritually where you are right now. Crossroad. Crossroad. He had to make a decision. Kenneth Hagin said, think about it, pray about it, call me, let me know what your decision is. Because if you go where you're thinking to go because of a few thousand dollars, you may lose your family, you may lose your marriage, 
your finances and everything broken, and you come out a broken man because man does not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that's what God said in, in Deuteronomy. I made you to wander in the wilderness just to teach you and, and brought hunger to you just to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. He had, he had this crossroad. He thought about it and decided, I'm not moving my family to that city. And guess what God did? Blessed him for it. Even more. So every Christian will go through a crossroad. Some of them may not be as important as others, but you will go through, through crossroads. Where you, I call it the valley of decision. It's the valley of decision. Now you are going a straight path. Now you have a fork and you're thinking, I don't know where to go. And sometimes God sets that up. Just to see what you would do. He says, I wanted to know what is in your heart. So I made you to get to this crossroad and you got to decide. It's a decision time. Mean we have decisions to make every time. You have a decision whether to pray in the morning or pray in the night. It's up to you. But God says to pray. That's given. But then there is a time when God comes and there is a problem that you have to deal with. It's a crossroad and you don't really know what to do. And then God makes it clear. If you pray, he makes it clear to you. And then you have to make a decision as to what you will do. If you make the wrong decision, that will affect your life. That will affect your finances. That will affect your marriage. Will affect your children and everything around you. When it's God putting you in that place and asking you to make it. If you make that wrong decision, so don't take your crossroads lightly. Pray about it. Seek God from your heart about it. Lay every time, everything before him and ask him, what do you want me to do? And if you do that, after a while, the other option begins to fade. And you know what to do. And God will give you the confidence. Because in your heart, you just want to know what God wants you to do. That's so important that you have that. God says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have Set before you. In other words, the heavens and the earth know what God has set before you. Amen. If you don't know what God has set before you, then you're guiltless. But when you know what God has set before you, you have a decision to make. It's a crossroad. He says very clearly there, I ask them as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and Death, blessing, and cursing. Therefore, choose life. It's your choice. Amen. It's your choice. You can decide today, 
I am going to choose life. It may not mean much to you because you don't quite understand, but you have made up your mind, I'm going to choose life because God says to choose life. That means choosing blessing instead of cursing. At the least. But there are other benefits coming because you have made up your heart, I am going to choose life. I will live for life. I will follow God because he is the truth. He is life. So when you choose life, you choose Jesus. And when you choose Jesus, nothing. I mean, difficulties will come, a lot of crossroads, but he's there with you. Even to the very end of your life. He will always be there for you. Amen? He will always be there for you. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. We're not just talking about, I mean, people who don't choose life, are they still alive? Right? If they don't choose this, you see them, they go to work with you. They don't choose that. God's not just talking about living life. I'm alive. I'm not dead. That's not what he's talking about. Your descendants, your children, will now experience God's kind of life on earth. God's kind of life will hit your family and stay with your family forever. Both here on earth and when we transition to the next we always separate the life in heaven and <laughs> the life on earth. Jesus said, believe in me and you will have eternal life. It's not when you get up there, he starts right here. Can I hear an amen? It's here, right here with you. Eternal life. Eternal life begins right here. If it's not so then we shouldn't have read that in the scriptures. It won't be there. God says it starts here. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He's not saying, I'm going to be every morning, I just wake up with life. That's not what he's talking about. You know, I feel so good. I'm really living abundant life. That's not what he's talking about. He can strengthen you when you're weak. But more than that, your family, your business, your marriage, every part of your life ought to be experiencing that abundant life. Where everything you're doing is alive. Whether it's business, whether it's your finances, that's the God that we serve. Doesn't mean difficult times will not come. But that's not important. Because God has power over those difficult times. And when you make the right decision, God will take care of you. There used to be a song, God will take care of you up to the end. I love that song. Even before I was a Christian, I really loved that song. He said, he'll take care of you. No matter what's going on, God will take care of you. And he does. It's the truth. The children of Israel were at a crossroad. In the time of Elijah, they were, they were at a crossroad. The king Ahab himself had brought in a new religion where they worshipped Baal and Asherah. 
And it, I read in it was an amazing thing. Think about what was going on. The king of the land is worshipping a different god from the other god. And was persecuting those who didn't worship the god. And I saw everybody will want to follow the king. I want to be a priest. Because the priests, they sat with the queen to eat every time. So what will the people be doing? They want to be part of this thing that the king is involved in. But they also knew there was Jehovah. So they were in the crossroad. What side would you be? If you, be on the, if you stay on the side of God, you might lose your life. It was a difficult time for them. It was a big crossroad. And God was punishing them, uh, punished them through uh, Elijah and his prophecy. But then God challenged them where they had to make a decision. If you read in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20 through 21, it says, So he had sent because Elijah had appeared to him and said to him now it's a funny thing if you read that scripture you go a little bit as soon as Ahab saw Elijah he said is that you the troubler of Israel because there was no rain for about three and a half years and everybody was hurting so as far as he was concerned in his worldview was Elijah, you are the real problem. Elijah says, it's not me. It's you and your wife and your family that have destroyed Israel. And you are the true troubler of Israel. And then he says, now gather. Look at the prophet telling the king. Gather all the people to Mount Carmel. For a contest. Where God will present them with a crossroad. And you have to make a decision. When God challenges us with a crossroad, he's already done something in your life before. And you know it. But now, maybe you're wavering a double-minded person, and God wants to straighten that. It's not always against you, because the people were subject to what your king was doing, or all the leaders were worshiping God. I mean, Baal, what would they do? How could they be wrong? They are following their king. But God wanted to challenge them. And he told uh, uh, the king, I mean, the prophet says, Now gather all the people to Mount Carmel. And to the king, that was a good thing. You know why? Mount Carmel was uh, uh, that mountain. Mount Carmel was regarded by everyone as the dwelling, the sacred, sacred dwelling place of Baal. The sacred place of Baal, dwelling place of Baal. So the king was, oh, if you're going to call a contest in Mount Carmel, Baal is going to eat you up. So he was glad to do it. He said to him, to gather all these people to Mount Carmel, all the children of Israel, everyone, and gather the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Bring the prophets of Baal. And Elijah came, after the people came, Elijah came to all the people and said, 
How long will you falter between two opinions? How long? In the old in Deuteronomy, God says, You have gone around this mountain, circled this mountain enough. It's time to go. It's time to make the right decision and we are going into the promised land. So in the same way, God was challenging them. How long? Some of us, we dwell with two opinions. We live in both of them. God doesn't like that. You have to have your mind fully made to follow God, no matter what happens to you. It's God first and then my family. God's first my family and the nation and everybody else around you. But God has to be first, no matter what. If you really want to live life here, good, and you want to be with God in heaven after this life, which is a better life, you have to make a decision in your heart. God's number one. My wife is not number one. My children are not number one. The number one person in my life is your own personal decision. Because when it comes to the end of the matter, you have to make a decision by yourself. God doesn't have grandchildren. I like to be a grandpa, but God doesn't have grandchildren. It's you and you with God and God alone. You have to make a decision. And so God was saying to the people, how long will you falter between two opinions? They don't, we know Jehovah, we, heard, we read the scriptures, we know what Jehovah has done, uh, but we're not too certain uh, whether Jehovah will come to our rescue when we have problems. Maybe Baal can help us. When God falters, then we turn to Baal. They were going both ways. And God, God, Elijah said, that's not the way to go. Make up your mind. And he gave them the crossroad. He said to the uh, prophets of Baal, they were there to show their, their king what Baal could do. And he said, now, we need to build two altars. Build one for Baal. And you select your animal that you want to sacrifice to Baal. And I will do the same for God, Jehovah. And kill the animal. Put it on the altar. And let your God, Baal, send down fire from above. Uh, uh, to, to consume the sacrifice that he loved from his prophets. Well, they like that. And it's so funny. Uh, they had their altar made. They killed the animal. They pulled the animal. They agreed to do this. All the children of Israel, when uh, Elijah spoke to them, they said nothing because they knew he was right. They were faltering between two opinions. And Elijah, uh, Elijah said, I'm going to show you today, you have to make up your mind. And so they built, they built, the prophets of Baal, they built their altar. And from early in the morning, they kept crying out to Baal, send fire, send fire. And they were, according to their custom, they cut themselves as they, they skip around the, uh, the altar 
and, and they were cutting themselves. They were bleeding so badly. And Elijah, close to 12 noon, they had been in this thing all day, and they're going to go all the way till about 5 or 6 in the evening before Elijah would do his soul sacrifice, uh, which is the evening sacrifice to God. And Elijah said to them, uh, cry louder. Cry louder. Maybe Baal is asleep. Take him rest. Cry louder. Maybe he's been on a journey. He's going to New York. Call him. And they, they, they listened. They screamed more, hurt themselves more, and they were bleeding crazy. They were bleeding. But then, you have to, there's something this about, about God and his consistency. It's amazing. At this time, Israel was divided. You got Israel and Judah. And he was dealing with Israel, not Judah. But when he made his stone, when he took his stones to build the altar, he had 12. Amen? He had 12 stones. He was still Israel. It was still Israel. He had 12 stones to represent every tribe of Israel, even though they had been separated. That's an amazing thing. God is consistent. Can you say that with me? God is consistent. When God has laid his hands on you, that hand, nobody can remove that hand from you. He's always there for you. You have to realize that. And you have to accept that. Not just for you, but for your children as well. I believe that for my children as well. I believe strongly for that I've been from the very beginning. I know God had made a promise. It's not just for me because I serve him, but because I serve him, he's going to make life easy for my kids. It doesn't mean they won't have difficulties. But God will be there with them all the way. Uh, I, I heard this uh, story about this grandma. Uh, the kid kept, your teenager kept rebelling and doing crazy stuff. And the grandma said, give up, kid. As long as grandma is praying, you can run. You can run. But God will find you. You are coming back. Just, just, don't waste your time. Just give up right now. Because grandma is calling your name before Jehovah. And you are going nowhere. And the kid is, yes, it's coming to bite you. So every time they're doing stuff, they realize, grandma is praying and he's here. Amen. They turned to God. And so he built the altar and, and actually put the animal on the altar and told them, take two drums, you know, huge drums, uh, four, take about four drums and begin to pour water, water pots. And so that nobody would have a doubt that this was God. And as soon as he finished, he started speaking to God. Fire came from heaven. I'm going to read from this here. Uh, in verse 18, uh, 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood 
and the stones and the dust. <laughs> well, I, that would have been a great sight to, to see. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. They had built a trench there. Now, when all the people saw it, guess what they did? They fell on their faces. And they, they, nobody told them to say anything. They started saying it. The Lord, he is God. And what they are saying is, we have made up our minds. We have made up our minds. God is the real God. This Baal stuff does not, nothing. Baal is no, is no God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah, Elijah immediately said, seize all the prophets of Baal. Uh, the king was just standing there. If he said anything against it, I th- in my mind I was thinking, he's thinking, if I do anything against it, what if that fire comes on me to burn me? Burn me up. Just let me do, let him do whatever he wants to do. I'll tell my wife later about what happened. <laughs> well, yeah. No phone. He has to tell the wife later. But this is, you read scripture and you see these things and these are like crossroads and God gives you the option and makes it easy for you to make the right decision. Can I hear an amen? It makes it easy for you to make the right decision. You have to have a rebellious heart to make the, right, the wrong decision when God puts you in a crossroad. I read this scripture already. No one can serve two masters. But I want to go to Matthew 10, 37. A decision that you have to make. This scripture was, you know, when I read it, it was like, oh my God, please help me make heaven. <laughs> because it says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So your first love in life has to be God. You can separate when, even if the children don't want, no. You stand your ground to be blessed because you want to be worthy. I mean, think about Jesus saying, worthy of me? This is God himself on the earth, walking with men and saying, if you want to be a part of me, I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of what the president is doing if you're his close body, a body, that's great as a friend. And he regards you as somebody special. And then he sees you coming, hey, he turns everybody off. This is God speaking in that light. Before you are worthy of me, make up your mind that I'm going to be number one in your life. And that's to us today. We have to make that choice. That's the crossroad. You have to make a choice. And the children will come up with things. There are parents that their children come up, well, I just found myself. Where have you been before? I just found myself, mommy. I've decided 
I'm not going to be a girl anymore. And I'm going to be a boy. And mommy thinks about it as a Christian. And she says, where did this come from? But I've heard, treat them nice. No. I told uh, a lady that was trying to tell me how to uh, discipline Omar. She says, put your hand on her. So I did that. And she, this was in school. And she did this. That's how you discipline. I said, you must know something better than God. Because God says to beat them. Maybe you know something better than God. And you're going to teach me what you know. You know better than God. The lady was looking like me, like, where are you coming from? He says, God said to beat them. He said, I listen to you. Oh, I'm going to listen to God. And now I decide, I'm going to listen to God. Oh, my, is going to get beat. <laughs> she looked at me. You've lost your mind. I remember Omar came after school because Omar was something else. Today is the most considerate. He's the great son. The great, great son. I mean, when Omar is at home, he watches everything I'm doing and he's very, very attentive. Coming, He's different. Completely different. But in those days, if we were in his wedding, I told him, one of us is going to die. Because he was not going to listen. I remember I came back from school one day and said, we had a nanny then, said to the nanny, I mean, this guy was something else and he's smart. He's still smart today. He said to the nanny, if any of you, daddy or mommy, ever put your hand on me, I'll call CPS. (laughs) They told him that. So uh, the nanny said, Whoa, daddy, daddy, hear what Omar said. I said, you're going to call CPS on us? Let's do it now. <laughs> you know there's a luggage there, but go put your things, everything, your belongings. And we will call CPS, and they are going to get you, and they're going to take you away. He started crying. I said, this is not a joke. And I was like, very serious, let's go up. Get your stuff. Everything you think you need to be with CPS. And <laughs> put them in that suitcase. And we're going to call CPS right now. And, 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 and they can come and pick you up. And we'll never see you again. And we don't know what family you will be. And all of that. He started crying. And Grace, I told you, all of them were crying. Grace went and got a switch from our side. She got a switch and made it by his daddy, beat him. (laughs) She said, don't send him to CPS. Just beat him with this whip. Beat him with God. I said, it's past the beating stage. So I made him stand by the club waiting for CPS. Hey, believe me, I love my son. After a while, I put my hand, come in, son. You still going to call CPS? No. (laughs) 
That was gone. And today, uh, you can see what a great son has become totally changed. And, um, but you never will put your son before God, not your daughter. Hey, if you tell me, I have this, I found myself. I am now a girl. Really? You're still a boy in my eyes. And you change those thoughts. Where did those thoughts come from? Who told you? What if God said, I made you God, uh, a man? Are you going to become a girl all of a sudden? I wouldn't tolerate it. Until you change your mind, this is, this is a different case. Did you know Abraham actually let Ishmael go? It was a hard crossroad for him. But God has said, let him go. That means he may never see Ishmael again. That was his son. Is this the same calling for us today? Sometimes God can make you do a kind. If you listen, your family is blessed. Amen? In Matthew 16, verse 24, 26, it says, Then the disciples, then Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, crossroads, you know, take up his cross and follow me. So there is always something that's going to come before you. The cross is always with you. And for us in life, they come as a place where you have to make decisions. It's the value of decision. And it's one decision after another. And as you follow God in this decision making, you know, I'm going to start praying now. Because you heard the word of prayer that says Christians ought to pray. So you, you are in a crossroad. I never prayed before. So you're now praying, but it's now for 10 minutes, and somebody says, well, you need to pray about 30 minutes, at least. Well, you decide. The more you pray, the better it is going to be for your family. But it's never easy to make those decisions. It has to be with God. You can even be saying it because he knows your thoughts. And then he can empower you because there is a desire to do what's right before him. I've experienced that. Just thinking about it. I'm saying, God, you know I just don't have the ability to do that. But I really would like to do that. And then you try it, and God begins to change who you are. And people can see it. You know, I, uh, not to, by the grace of God, I've spoken to a lot of people about Christ. And I remember many of you saw my son, in the Lord who came in on some one Sunday morning and surprised me. I had had a group. I just wanted to start a Bible study. Was, I visited Nigeria for a year. And I figured I can't be sitting here. I need to do something. And I got a little group of young boys, young girls. I, just, I was much older than they were. And I went around just talking to them. And they would fight with their pastors and say, we, in a youth group, we need this young man to come and talk to us. And these people stayed with me, and I was talking to them. 
for about a year. I had no idea, but I knew my heart was really in it. And when I was leaving, I was very worried what was going to happen to him. And my son in the Lord was telling me, pastors of large churches have come from that Bible study you did. Pastors of large churches in Nigeria. And he says, not just those, but there are many of them, they are doing different things. Some, some lady told me, you remember me? I said, I don't remember. I used to come to your Bible study. She's an evangelist. They separate. Because you decide, I'm going to do something for God. That's how God works. You have to work. I, do, I never saw myself doing it. I didn't think anything was coming. I've, in fact, I thought, this is going to be just, as soon as I leave, they would all scatter. No. Some of them stayed until Daniel Bernard came with me. And from that little group, that's where he started his church in Nigeria. And that was years later. You can't make the right decision for God and lose. Amen? You just cannot. You just cannot. You, when you make the right decision, and some of these decisions can be very difficult because it's going to change your whole life. And God puts it right in your face and then he's not relenting. You've got to make the right decision. If you cannot make the right decision, you cannot take up your cross, you really cannot follow Jesus. Because if you desire to, to save your life, what does that mean? In other words, I'm not going to be doing that because if I do that, it's going to mess up my family dynamics and I don't know what's going to happen. What you said in your heart and in your mouth, that's coming to you. That's coming to you. Everyone will experience this. I want to, there's a lot I want to say. I'll probably continue this next Sunday. I don't know. Listen, how long did Abraham live his, with his family before God took him out from his family? 75 years. He knew every member of his family, right? Because we know 25 years later, that's when he had his son. He was 75. He, God told him, come out from your family. Abandon your family and come with me to the place that I will show you. I'm sure that night Abraham was thinking, whoa. I'm just going to leave all of these guys. I've been with them for 75 years. Now I'm going to move and go to a place. That God's showing me. Abraham, it's amazing if you read the scriptures. Abraham really took this to heart. Told his family, I'm going to leave you guys. And guess what? I'm not coming back. I'm not going to see some of your faces anymore for the rest of my life. He made that decision. And that decision challenged me. To abandon your family, everybody. I mean, we're talking about these days, we are so many on the earth. There were few then. He had to abandon everybody. 
that was part of his family. If you read in Genesis 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, so not just family, but your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. You know, that was separate from them to a land that I will show you. That's a crossroad. And then after speaking, he says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you a great uh, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. But Abraham, and then after that, God left him alone. He has to make the decision either to stay or to move. And Abraham decided he was going to move, except that he took his uh, nephew Lot and left everybody else. That was a serious crossroad for him, and he overcame that. Now, there was a time after uh, Isaac, you can see scriptures to see the way a man thinks, right? And what he's doing. There was a time now, the time came when Isaac needed a wife. His mother had died, Sarah had died, and Isaac needed a wife. And Abraham called his servant to go get a wife for Isaac. And he said, put your hand on my thigh and we're going to pray. And God will bring you a child. Uh, bring you uh, a woman that will marry my son. And the man said to Abraham, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. So Abraham is sending him, his servant, but not himself. He's never been there. You go to that land and get me a wife. So he said uh, to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. Can you get it? This was 25 years later. His mind was making back. He said, Don't you ever do that. To take my son back to where God said to move and live. For us, no big deal. We, we just, we won't even pray about it. We just say, yeah, yeah, take my son there. He'll find a wife. But Abraham, no, no. God has said, come out. And in Second in, in Corinthians chapter 6, God says, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them and be separate. It's the same thing. But Christians don't think that. They think that they can go to the club and sit with them and drink a little and tell them about Jesus. And they will just float to, fly into the church on Sunday. But guess who get converted at the end? Because it doesn't work that way. When God says, come out, that's a decision you have to make and it has to be coming from your heart. I'm not going back to any beer parlor anymore. I'm not going to ever get in there. I know that there are some Christians who are bold enough to go to strip clubs to witness to ladies. I don't have that power. I won't go there. I'm not going there. You guys can go. If you can get them to the church, I'll talk to them. But me going there, I don't have that power. I'm not going there. Listen. 
in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, For if I build again those things which I have destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Abraham won't go back. It's over. That decision was made. And he's not going to go back. Amen? My time is far gone, so I'm not going to continue. Uh, I have other things I want to share. Maybe I will do that next Sunday if possible. Um, but stand up with me this morning. You may be going through something right now that you have to make a decision about. It could be your finances, your business, your job, your marriage, your children. Before you do anything, talk to God. Talk to God about it. There is always a decision. I made up my mind years ago. If the church does open and I'm able-bodied, I can make it, I'm going to be there. Not for pastor. Not for anybody in the church. I just don't care. I love them, but I don't care what they think. God has to give you that grace. Because in my life, I have no concern about what people think about me. You can cuss me out. That's a joke to me. It doesn't bother me at all. I've been there. But you have to make a decision to serve God on your own. And it's the best decision you can make. The best decision. Because once that decision is made, God has found a friend. God has found a friend. To me, it's very important. It's not before, you know, you become, a, uh, not after you become a Christian. It's a continual thing where you rededicate. We use the word rededicate. I'm not going to be doing this anymore. I will try my best to do this because that's right for me and my family. How many have that in your life today? Can I see your hand up? And I see your hand up. Yes, we all have that. I got to do better for my God. But have that heart in me that this is what I want. And guess who's going to carry it out? God himself. Because he says, without me, you can do nothing. The only thing is just to be willing. Can you get that? So easy. I'm willing. I'm not going to do that anymore. Maybe you're lagging in your church attendance. You know, you, you have all these reasons that you know are not really legitimate. <laughs> you, know, you know in your head this is not right. But you want to do that. You want to sleep a little. But if you can't do it, God understands. But God is the only one that knows what's going on in your heart. You can have good reasons. He knows what's going on. And so I have to do what God is. In my life, I pray... Um, I was talking to my family. I don't have a fear of death. I have no fear of anything. I don't have a fear of anything. All I know, God's with me. And God's going to take care of me. Amen? 
I have no fear of any kind. I, I'm just telling you the fact. I just don't have any fear. And I don't have regrets of anything. If I have regrets, I take it to my Heavenly Father. Amen? So that's the decision you have to make when it comes to your life. How many of us are going to make that decision today? To turn everything over and say, God, help me with this decision. I need help with this area. Whether it's finances, your family, would you all raise your hand, everyone here who has that a decision to make? Would you raise your hand with me today and make a decision before God? I don't want to bring everybody up here. Those are lifting up their hands. But there are things that you need to do. There are things that bother you. Every time you think about it, mm, I really don't know about this. Give it to God today and ask him to help you. Show you what you should do, how you should pray, how you should handle the situation. Because you don't know what to do with that situation. Lift up your hands with me as we pray. Father, I want to thank you. have a God that will never give up on us. You're always there for us. You are our God. We have submitted our lives to you, God. Oh, Lord God, help us in our decision-making. Let every decision that we make, and you can make it possible, you are God. Every decision that we make, we commit ourselves to you today. Let every decision that we make be pleasing in your sight. Let the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, be pleasing to you. Make us what you want us to be on the earth. Salt and light to this world. Because you are working in us. God, in your name, I bless your people today. That every one of them have received right now the power from heaven to make right decisions. And to know how to come to you in prayer. Because your spirit prays for us according to the will of God. And that's what we want. We thank you, Lord. I bless every one of these people, God. Be with every one of them and their families, their children. Be with them. Let them grow. Let them achieve. And they will achieve. They will grow in the name of Jesus. They will do wonderful things in the name of Jesus. Because your people have committed to serve you with all of their heart and not hold back. That's a decision that we've made. How many agreed with me that that's our decision? Say yes. That's our decision today. And we'll grow as a church. And we'll grow to take over the world. Why? Yes. We're going to go all over the world. I think um, Lily is going to help us reach Indonesia. I was amazed. Lily was praying for the sick and God was healing them when she visited. God's going to do that. We're going to plant a church in Indonesia. 
and uh, we'll do all of them. Who says we, sh- we can't do it? With God, with God, with God, you don't sound convincing. With God, well, we're going to do it. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Oh. <laughs>